The 2019 Kia NBA Most Valuable Player goes to Giannis Antetokounmpo. At the end of the day, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. Uh, my goal is to win a championship. Um, as my dad told me, you know, always want more, but never be greedy. Uh, my goal is to win a championship, and we're going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. Thank you, guys. Way back. Get up. Get out of here. Go! Rainbows high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Last night was pretty unbelievable. The NBA Awards, of course, last night. And I mean unbelievable, literally. I mean, how it was crazy. It was amazing. No, it was literally unbelievable. I'm still having a hard time believing uh, that the Bucks won the awards that they did and that Giannis won the MVP award, uh, which he did. On yesterday's show, we're wrapping up, and I'm saying, yeah, Giannis is going to win the MVP. I'm, I'm 99% sure. And, and and that was kind of a foregone conclusion to me, and I think to a lot of Bucks fans. And, and last night, I still felt like it was a little bit surreal, a little bit unbelievable, right? In in the most literal sense possible. A pretty crazy night and a pretty crazy NBA awards show last night. Uh, the Bucks cleaning up. Bucks doing really well, of course. Fell short of their ultimate goal, which was winning a championship. But you heard Giannis there talking, wrapping up his uh, acceptance speech, talking about, hey, the next the next thing is is a championship. And I'm going to do whatever it makes uh, or whatever it takes to make that possible. The one the one part I would have liked to hear is my goal now, my, my only focus now is to win a championship in Milwaukee. I want to do whatever it takes to win a championship in Milwaukee. Like, just throw that one word in there. Just come on. Give it. I, I was sitting on my couch last night. Just come here. Come on. I want to hear the um word. Let's hear. Let's hear Milwaukee. Yeah, all right. We didn't get it. Uh, but I'm not going to read into that at all. I enjoyed watching Giannis last night. Very emotional. Uh, and we'll break down a little bit uh, of his acceptance speech and, and what went down exactly at the NBA Awards last night. For those of you who maybe didn't watch, and we'll dig into it a little bit deeper, Justin Garcia of the Bucks Radio Network and WTMJ, uh, of course, of which we are a fine affiliate here on the West Coast of Wisconsin. He will join us from Milwaukee uh, to talk a little bit of everything. Uh, not only Giannis, but the other award winners last night and, and maybe touch on the offseason as well. Chris Middleton's kind of been done to death. Malcolm Brogdon's kind of been done to death. Maybe we won't beat that horse, but uh, certainly talk about what's going on with the Bucks. Justin Garcia up uh, in now less than 10 minutes. Last night, not only did Giannis do well, the Bucks cleaned up. Uh, they took care of business. They kind of rolled in and, and took the place by storm. Giannis winning the MVP, of course, but Coach Bud winning Coach of the Year. And, and I, I, I kind of got, maybe I kind of got things a little bit twisted. Uh, I, I got a little bit, not confused, but... Maybe I, I, I took a wrong look at the coach of the year search. I thought it was going to come between Nick Nurse and Coach Bud, and and I forgot. Yes, it's a regular season only award, so it actually came down to Coach Bud and and Mike Malone in Denver, uh, and a couple other guys. Doc Rivers obviously as well. Nick Nurse was was much near the bottom. I I I don't believe he actually even got a first place vote. Now, of course, if you did that vote today, uh, things might be different. But you can't really argue with with Coach Bud winning sixty games. And here's what's funny: Coach Bud was definitely. Uh, assisted by the fact that last year, the the, the Bucks might have might as well as had a cardboard box coaching them, and then after they fired the cardboard box, the Bucks were then coached by the cardboard box's 
other cardboard box. Like the Bucks didn't have a functioning NBA coach last year. I will go to my grave thinking that about Jason Kidd. Right? I don't know what he's doing with the Lakers. I don't know how that goes. I will go to my grave thinking that Jason Kidd uh, is a miserable bad coach. So, so Coach Bud definitely has the assistance and definitely has the advantage of following that. Uh, right? It makes the the ascend uh, the ascension look even better when you're coming from a, a place of dysfunction and disorganization, of which Jason Kidd very much was. John Horst, the Bucks general manager. Uh, who we've talked about at length on this show about his story and about his history and exactly how he got to be in the place uh, that he is now. Winning exec of the year, a a, a tremendous year. And and I want to talk to Justin about this a little bit as well when we talk to him here in in about 10 minutes on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. To think of the different place that the Bucks are now, they were two or three years ago, and, and the different way that we regard their front office. Think of all the moves he made just this year, bringing in Brooke Lopez, uh, finding that money somewhere in the CBA, right? Turning him into a player that that a lot of people thought, well, yeah, he can shoot a little bit, but but completely uh, revolutionizing the way Brooke Lopez plays and getting Nikola Mirotic for second-round picks and Thon Maker and getting George Hill in a deal that was supposed to be all about cap relief, and he's a huge part of your playoff rotation down the stretch, right? And he was a big part of... of of that bench unit, finding guys in Pat Connaughton and, and really out with the old, uh, the Rashad Vaughns, the, the Jabari Parkers, the players that we were hung up on for so long and and in with the new. And John Horst did a tremendous job this year. Very well-deserved uh, exec of the year. And then, of course, Giannis. Giannis is just so easy to cheer for. Oh, my goodness. I know I'm a Bucks fan, and I know I probably look at, at things through green and, and cream-colored glasses, I don't know how anybody could watch that award show and listen to Giannis's speech, and we'll check that out later on in the show. I don't know how anybody could listen to that and, and hate on the guy. Now, th- there are people who who believe that James Harden should have been the MVP, and I do think, much like in most years, you can make an argument and a counter-argument for just about every single player, every finalist uh, in the MVP race. I think Giannis had a couple of things going for him. I mean, they, they were incredibly consistent. James Harden went on a tear uh, more so late December on, right? And that's great. That's excellent. That was a great stretch. The Bucks started 7-0 and never really looked back. Giannis was tremendous and consistent throughout the entire season. The Rockets started 11-14. And Rockets fans and, and James Harden believers and stands will not admit to you that everyone was healthy throughout that stretch. Harden, Capella, Chris Paul, all healthy. And the Rockets started 11-14, which made necessary the excellent play and the incredible scoring run that James Harden went on once Capella and once Chris Paul got hurt. Nobody talks about that they started well over 500 with everyone healthy, uh, with the ship intact. Nobody wants to bring that up. Giannis a little bit more consistent. He had that going for him. And I do think, and I and I don't think this should be taboo. I don't think this should be blasphemy to say. I do think Giannis has probably assisted in the fact that it's his first MVP. Right? If you go back, uh, what's two years ago now, or, or three years ago, to Russell Westbrook's MVP year when he averaged a triple-double. And, and everybody just kind of just passed it off. He averaged a triple-double. How is he not going to win the MVP? People are like, well, James Harden, well, look at what he's doing. Look at what these other players are doing. Yeah, but he averaged a triple-double. Okay, and he wins an MVP on that. Deservedly so or not, that's definitely what got him that award. They were only four, the fourth seed in the West. That's what got him the award. Well, the next year, Russell Westbrook does the same thing. Averages a triple-double. Last year, James Harden won the MVP, right? And then this year, Russell Westbrook averaged another triple-double. What happened? Well, that was a couple of years ago. Well, James Harden scoring the basketball in an unpressed rate. Well, yeah, we've seen that. Now it's Giannis's turn. And... And once again, next year, if Giannis wants to defend his MVP title, and I'm sure he will, he's going to need to once again go above and beyond. He can't just redo what they did this year because people are going to look at him and say, well, you did that last year. What do you got now? 
What else you got? And and I do think there's a certain advantage to the to being the new thing, right? I don't want to say the flashy new trick that's catching everybody's eyes. It's not like he averaged a triple-double like Russell Westbrook did. He was just... It's his first time winning an MVP. He's Greek. He's a, a fantastic story. He's from small market Milwaukee. Like, it, it's, it's, it'd be really hard to vote against him, right? The vote count, everybody was saying, oh, this is the closest MVP race in years. And I do agree that it was. And on yesterday's show, contrary to what a lot of people said, oh, it's going to be really close. It's going to be really close. I said, I don't think it is going to be that close. I think what's going to happen is every voter you ask is going to say, man, it's the closest race we've ever seen, but we all voted for Giannis. That's exactly what happened. Giannis got 941 total votes, James Harden 776, right? Giannis 78 first place votes to James Harden's 23. That's what happened. Everybody said, man, it's so close. This is the closest race ever. Okay, well, yeah, but we all chose Giannis. It was close. It was was very close, but we all chose Giannis, right? And people were kind of surprised by how big of a landslide it was. I, Not at all. That's kind of what I envisioned. That's what we talked about. On the show yesterday. I want to keep the Bucks talk going. I want to talk uh, more Bucks, more MVP, Coach of the Year, Executive Year. Just give it to me. Just hook it up to me. Stick it into my veins uh, through an Ivy. Justin Garcia of the Bucks Radio Network, who has joined us throughout the season, throughout the playoffs. Uh, and I hope to uh, have him continue to join me this summer and into next season as well. The UWL grad and member uh, of the Bucks Radio Network. We'll talk to him coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. The show presented by Played Against Sports. I'm I'm having a really good time today. The Brewers have been stressful. The trade deadline is is so stressful because you have to try to figure out on whether or not you're going to give up prospects, right? You're going to mortgage your future. It's been kind of nice today so far to just step aside uh, and, and to kind of celebrate uh, Giannis, to celebrate John Horst. Uh, to celebrate Coach Bud all winning awards last night at the NBA Awards, and and, and no man better uh, to have that conversation with than Justin Garcia. UWL grad, works for the Bucks Radio Network, and he's been awesome every time he has joined the Wisco Sports Show. Justin, what's going on today? That's a lot of pressure now for this one. <laughs> this is uh, this is true. You got to live up. You got to live up to the hype. Live up to the name. Did uh, did you watch? Uh, did you watch the awards last night? By the way. I watched most of it. So I was on the air. We do a weekly Bucks show on Monday nights from 8 to 9. Yep. And I was on uh, doing that so for the first hour of the show and then uh, drove home, missed part of it. But I caught uh, the end with Giannis's speech when he won the award. And I would say probably about 70% of it. I watched uh, about the first hour and a half. We were, at, we were actually at the Eagle's Nest just watching it on mute. Uh, just trying to figure out—is that a place yeah. uh, you spent? You spend a lot of time at the Eagles' nest in your time that, in lacrosse. Uh, that is, I thought. So I thought I had heard that had closed or was closing. God, I hope not. Yeah, well, this was years ago, so it didn't. But it's good to know that it, it is not. Because yeah, that's a place that uh, we used to frequent. And actually, a good friend of mine has his picture on the wall there from uh, being a national champion runner in track. Man, you just have all kinds of important friends, and they are, they're hanging up at the Eagle's Nest. Well, if you're back this summer, we'll have to meet at the Nest. Uh, I was watching, the, watching last night, just on mute at the bar, and then I went home to see about the last half hour. I thought it was going to be done at, at 9, and I was kind of confused because they hadn't really even started the MVP conversation, you know, 9, or, or it would have been yeah. 8.55, 8.56, and then, of course, it ends up going over. When you watched Giannis's speech, whether you watched it live or whether you watched it back, like, like what was going through your head? I couldn't believe it. I was looking over at my friend, and, and I knew it was coming. I think we all kind of knew it was coming, about 99% sure, and I was still, I, I was giddy. I was smiling. It kind of took my breath away. What was your reaction? Yeah, I, 
I would have been shocked if he didn't win. Uh, I mean, even if they would have done something like splitting the award with he and James Harden, that would have still been mildly surprising to me. Um, but, you know, seeing him win, and I guess it's, it's a lot of the same feelings that, uh, you know, you had around the time of the All-Star game where you just think back to uh, when this team was basically first getting assembled and they made the trade to bring in Chris Middleton and Brandon Knight and that deal to sign and trade sending Brandon Jennings away. But Chris Middleton coming into the fold the same time as Giannis, both of these guys talked about at the All-Star game just what it meant for them to experience that 15-win season and, you know, the mood and the feeling around this franchise before the sale to the new ownership group and all the changes that we've seen, whether it be certainly the new arena, the new logos and uniforms and everything that this group has done to really branch out past Milwaukee. But you look at what's happened on the floor, too, to go from 15 wins in the amount of time that they did to 60 wins, best record in the NBA, in a year where, you know, I've tried to say all along, enjoy this season and we're not trying to say the bucks won't be contenders going forward yeah but but seasons like that don't happen very often that it's only the fifth time in franchise history they won 60 games it's only the third time that they were the top seed in basketball but you know you just think of everything that happened to have chris middleton as an all-star Giannis as an all-star Giannis as the captain of the all-star team bud coaches the all-star team bud's the coach of the year john horse the executive of the year Giannis now the MVP and first-team uh, All-NBA, first-team All-Defense. Eric Bledsoe, first-team All-Defense. But this was a truly special year, and I understand it didn't end the way we wanted, but this is still one that people are going to look back on very fondly, and it was capped with uh, Giannis winning that MVP award. A lot of what he said during his acceptance speech we had heard before, but to just you know really see the raw emotion, and he's talked about the relationship with his dad and how much that's pushed him along. But to see that on, you know, the biggest stage in the NBA and to hear the MVP talk about everyone that made him better and not about him and not making it about himself, making it about his teammates and his family and his mother and his father, a very special moment. And it's just a shame that I started cutting onions the same time that he uh, made that acceptance speech. No, I, I think I must have been doing the exact same thing, cutting some onions. Justin Garcia of the Bucks Radio Network joining us. Justin, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. You talked about how they, they fell short of their ultimate goal. They didn't win a championship, and Giannis talked about it. One thing that amazes me with Giannis, and I still, I, I still catch myself off guard because I don't really realize it, how much he improves every year. Right? He gets better at scoring, better at shooting, better at ball handling, better at defense. Every statistic he's improving. He was an all-star, then an all-star starter, an all-star captain, and now he's the MVP. Could I really, would it be really that outrageous to think next year, the NBA is wide open as it, as it is, that he could next year come back with that playoff experience and, and lead this team to a championship is now that's basically all he has left to do. He's won the MVP. He's been an all-star. I mean, obviously wants a long career, wants to accomplish everything, but the championship is, is now what's out there. Could he actually improve more and, and go get it after this season? I, I don't know why I don't, I don't know why I doubt, but that would be the next step, right? Yeah, and, you know, one of the names uh, we were talking about off the air, Eric and Aim and I were at the uh, exit interviews for the Bucks two days after their season ended in Toronto, and he talked about that. And he said, I thought the most interesting part that he said during uh, his, it was about 10 minutes that he addressed the media for, was he said during the Raptors series, it was around game three or four, that he had a conversation with assistant coach Ben Sullivan, who's a guy that has gotten a lot of credit with the work done in Atlanta. He's been with Bud for a while that, 
that's the guy people point to when you talk about uh, players like Dwayne Dedman and Ken Bazemore even that became much better shooters. A lot of the credit has been placed on him. Yeah. But Giannis was working with him in Toronto and said it, it was either game three or game four. He told him before the game, it may not look like it, but I know I'm getting better. I can feel it. I can see things developing. I'm, I'm picking up this sense, and I know I'm going to be that much better next season. He talked about that and said he knows what he has to do in the offseason. That's you know the other thing we've kind of almost taken for granted with Giannis, just the work that he puts in, and you talked about how he gets better each year. It seems like he always picks something uh, to work on specifically, as you noted. And he gave all indications that's going to be the case again and said after making that comment that he knows what he has to do and made a comment, too, of he still sees Marcus Gasol coming over to double-team him in his sleep and is still spending his time thinking about how he's going to attack that. But also said, which you know is something that people have been really pushing for, and he acknowledged it, He's going to put the work in in this offseason to do something within the mid-range. He knows he has to add that to be all that more dangerous, whether it's you know a baby hook from around uh, the rim or a mid-range jump shot. But he specifically addressed the mid-range and said that's what he's going to work on in this offseason. And the strides that we saw from the three-point shooting from him as the year progressed, especially what from February on and in the playoffs, with that and his ability, as we all know, to get to the rim and finish in the paint, if he can add a mid-range shot, uh, I just, you know, it, it seems like we say this over and over, but I just don't, I don't know how you defend him if he develops that reliable game in the mid-range. Yeah, well, it can't all be three-pointers or dunks. I, I think we've definitely seen where, where teams who, who really hold by that strategy religiously, they kind of fall into some pitfalls. And maybe that's what some people thought about Coach Bud. I know seeing on Twitter and, and just seeing other people like yourself, I know Bart Winkler was one I saw who, who is really hated on, who's joined the show, another UWL grad, um, who, who loves to bring up the fact that Coach Bud didn't adjust during the playoffs. Well, whether that's true or not, he's the coach of the year. They won 60 games. Where do they go from here? Because next year, isn't we're not going to be blown away by the amazing regular season. We might not even be blown away by the first or the second round of the playoffs. What is the next step for Coach Bud, and how can he improve along with his Bucks team and with Giannis' superstar? Yeah, and I did a show from the Bucks draft headquarters the night of the draft and just had a handful of guys on, and one of them was Jim Paschke. And we were talking about that same thing and what to expect next year. We both kind of landed on 53, 54 wins. That's probably where they're going to be because I think you're going to see not necessarily what Toronto did, but you're going to see more of an approach of we know what we have, and this is assuming they bring back the bulk of their free agent group. We know what we have here. We know what we're capable of doing, and we understand we got to get through the regular season healthy and the playoffs is where it matters. That I think it's going to be in that, low to mid-50s range for wins that the Bucks push for with the emphasis put on rest and keeping guys healthy for the postseason. But I'm going to be curious to see the groupings of players around Giannis. Now, if it's much of the same group that's brought back, I would, I would anticipate some minor tweaks. Really, the thing that surprised me the most in the postseason was you think back to the regular season, and it, it was a, a drastic change to go from the Jason Kidd and Joe Prunty system on defense where the Bucks relied so heavily on, on switching. And that went out the window with Coach Bud when he got to town. It seemed like it was really only when they played the Charlotte Hornets that we saw them go to the switching defense. And then once he got to the spring and past the All-Star break, we saw it sprinkled in a little more. But 
once we hit the postseason, they were exclusively doing that. I'm going to be curious that, you know, as you touched on, it can't be all dunks and threes. There may be some tinkering offensively, but I wouldn't expect a lot of it. I think, if anything, it's going to be on defense where maybe Coach Bud takes a page out of what Nick Nurse did because I think the thing that is really, I guess, unnoticed and underappreciated about what Nick Nurse did in Toronto this season was go back to the regular season. He tried a handful of things where the Raptors would just do it in a game, uh, whether it was a defensive strategy or different offensive look or different lineup. And, you know, he, I believe he talked about this during the finals, he did that knowing when we get to the postseason, we're not going to throw a uniform look at you. We're going to change things up. You saw the box and one yeah. against the Warriors in the finals. You saw some different looks against the Bucks, and you saw adjustments against the Bucks where Kawhi defended Giannis, that Nick Nurse went to that throughout the regular season to get his guys ready for that. And that was really, you know, when Bud talked about his defense and changing and, and not really going to, towards that switching defense, which the irony being we saw them exclusively do it in the playoffs, but the thing that he always mentioned was if he's going to go down, he's gonna, he would rather go down with what got you there, basically, that we're not going to just employ something that we haven't put a lot of time in, and that's what ultimately becomes our unraveling in the playoffs. So you can understand why he trusted that, whether it's offensively or defensively or the rotations. He trusted those because that's what he used throughout the regular season. I'm going to be curious if we see more tinkering during the regular season next year to get this team ready for that postseason. Justin, I, I got a minute or two more. I just I got to ask you, and I know we've done this to death. You are John Horst. How do you handle uh, Malcolm Brogdon, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton? What would you do? I'm not expecting you to predict what John Horst will do, but if you were GM, how would you handle this roster? Uh, well, Chris Middleton is priority number one, and you know I would be stunned if he's not back. It's going to be somewhere in that five years, 140. The Bucks can go as high as 190, I believe, but it's going to be you know double what he has now. That's priority number one. It, it sounds, by all accounts, that Brooke Lopez and he made these comments at uh, exit interviews. Brooke Lopez wants to be back. They want him back, and I think it's going to be interesting to see too. Teams that may have been a suitor for Brooke Lopez, now that Al Horford has opted out, do they go after him first? So that may be beneficial. To me, the wild card is and always has been Malcolm Brogdon, that it just seems like there is going to be a team out there that throws a big money offer at him. And then if you're the Bucks, you have to answer that question of how much can we stomach. Now, what I've said all along is things may break right for the Bucks in that Al Horford scenario that we just outlined, but also – of all those guys that the Bucks have, uh, Chris Middleton is the only one that would potentially be signing day one or within those first few days. The other guys are going to be spread out throughout July. By the time you hit that, Kawhi may have already left Toronto. You may see guys leave in Philadelphia that you could see the Eastern Conference tar- start to take shape, where if you're the Bucks, you know if we bring back this same group, we are the prohibitive favorites to win the East. And that may slant your decision-making on how much you're willing to match and how high you're willing to go for Malcolm Brogdon. I would pay whatever it takes to keep Malcolm Brogdon, and I will continue to beat that drum until the end of time. That's just me. Justin, I I always appreciate you joining me, and I always ask you at the last minute, and you always bring awesome stuff. So thank you. I hope to talk soon throughout the offseason, and I I can't wait for the, the next NBA season, the 2019 season, to get underway. I'm sure you feel the same way. Same thing. I can't wait to uh, be back at Fiserv Forum and uh, hopefully seeing another deep 
deep playoff run. Ah, uh, dude, I, I can't wait. Justin Garcia, thanks again, man. Uh, you can find all of him, him and his work, not just him, but his work uh, on the Bucks Radio Network. Follow him on Twitter at TMJGarcia. Uh, Justin's brought us some awesome stuff throughout the regular season, the postseason, uh, whatever he I've asked, he has been willing to talk about. And, 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 and I think Justin, once again, as we kind of close the book now officially on the 2018-2019 Bucks season, which feels weird. I mean, the finals have been done for a while. The regular season's been done for a while. The Bucks have been done for a while. But they kind of drag it out with this NBA awards show, which has kind of been the old man get-off-my-lawn complaint about it all. Look, I'm okay. If you want to do a long, entertaining show, I'll wait until June 24th. I'm okay with that. And I'm also uh, very okay with Justin Garcia joining the show in the future. So hope to have him back. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk more about the awards show. I, I would imagine... A lot of you probably saw the highlights this morning. Maybe you watched Giannis's speech, or maybe you just saw the news and that was good enough for you. Well, I did watch most of it, even if it was at a bar, and I was able to get home and, and watch uh, non-distracted while Giannis gave his speech, and I took out some really cool parts. Let's talk about uh, the fanfare from last night, Giannis's speech, everything involved uh, with your 2018-2019 NBA MVP. That's coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show will return, presented by Played Against Sports, here on WKTY. <laughs> This is the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Of course, you know that. You can also stream us on our mobile app and at WKTYsports.com. Justin Garcia, uh, we just got off the phone with him from the Bucks Radio Network. If you want to check that out, the podcast is up at WKTYsports.com. Well, it's, it's not up yet. I'll put it up at 6 o'clock. So you have to wait. We're going to continue the Bucks talk, though. No need to go anywhere. Last night was cool. I, I started the show today by saying it was unbelievable. And, and I meant that in a literal sense. I was 99% sure Giannis was going to win that MVP. And I thought Coach Bud had a great shot to win Coach of the Year. And I thought John Horst had an excellent shot to win Exec of the Year. I didn't really expect them to win all three. I thought they had a great shot. I thought it'd be cool if they won all three. But as the awards are handed out, I'm looking at my buddies. I'm saying it's It's happening. Giannis is the MVP, and and two or three years ago, we were talking about that as a pipe dream. Could one day Giannis win an MVP? I don't know. I bet money on it. It's it's pretty crazy uh, to see the evolution of Giannis, where he came from, where he started, uh, and, and his trajectory and path into Milwaukee, and how that team has evolved around him. It was it was a pretty incredible night uh, as a Bucks fan, and as a, as a fan of sports, and as a fan of basketball as well. Uh, obviously a very easy story to, to enjoy and a very easy player to root for. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can 608-796-2558 on the five-star telecom talking text line. Twitter, as always, at WKTY, and you can find me at Keystroker Grant. Last night, I, I enjoyed the awards ceremony, and I, I said on yesterday's show, I think, I'm not an awards show guy. I don't watch the Oscars or the Grammys. Well, the Grammys I find interesting just because I'm such a lover of music. Uh, I think as a lot of radio people are, sometimes I watch the Grammys, but what the Golden Globes, the Academy Award, they just don't do anything for me. It's a lot of pomp and circumstance. The NBA, I love. I will watch basically whatever product they put out. I might think it stinks, and I might complain about it, but I'm, I'm still going to watch. Last night, spent a little bit of time uh, at the Eagle's Nest, then went home for the rest. And it's funny, while, I was, while we were sitting at the Nest, we, we weren't listening. We had it muted. We asked the bartender, could you throw on TNT? I think a, a soccer replay or something, men's soccer, was on. I said, do you think you could throw on TNT? Do you think you'd throw on the awards? He said, oh, yeah, absolutely. And and the people sitting next to us were entertained at first, and then they got sick of it. Keep in mind, they didn't have to listen to it. 
How long is this going to go on? How long are they going to talk? What is that suit? What is he wearing? Look at those glasses. And I think maybe the NBA a, a lot of times finds favor with younger people, uh, with millennials, just because of the drama, just because of the the over-the-top nature of the league. And I, that, that was maybe something that became apparent to me last night. Uh, it wasn't surprising. I, I enjoyed some of the, the humor. Anytime Shaq's going to rap on stage, uh, I will watch, even if it's a train wreck. Like, Shaq is just an American treasure. I feel like we have to enjoy him. Uh, the interesting thing was they, they had a Lifetime Achievement Award, which I didn't know about. They gave it to, to Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and the two of them talked way too long. That was one mistake. I, I think the awards, whoever, I don't know, organized it, whoever wrote up the schedule and how things worked, they needed playoff music because it got to the point. Larry Bird, Larry Bird told a, a story, but he told an old man type of story. Do you know what I mean? Any with an elderly relative, with an elderly friend or coworker, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Where they'll try to tell you something, and in the midst of their story or their explanation, they'll stop and tell like five or six little mini stories and give you little anecdotes throughout the way before you and this old person completely forgot what they were trying to say in the first place. That was that was Larry Bird. I'm he's speaking, and I'm like, oh my god, what is he talking about? And Magic Johnson, I. I'm just easily annoyed by Magic Johnson. He's a little bit more comfortable in the spotlight, I think, as we all know. But telling stories about, you know, name-dropping whoever it was last night in his playing days with them, I that was interesting. That was very interesting. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar came up to talk about Giannis a little bit, and I, I was fascinated because Kareem, not a great public speaker, apparently, and he kept saying Giannis's name wrong. Did anybody else hear this? This is how he kept pronouncing it, and I'm sorry the recording isn't great. Giannis on Tentonkonpo. <laughs> Giannis and Giannis, and it is a tough name to say. Like I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy. And Kumpo. Yeah, like like nobody. It's been easy for no one. And I'm not here. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to criticize Kareem's public speaking skill because public speaking is something that people handle differently. People have different reactions to. It's not just nerves. Right, some people get nerves. Some people feel sick. It, it affects everyone differently. So I'm not here to criticize. I'm not here to make fun of anybody who's doing any type of public speaking. The one thing, though, that you absolutely got to get right: you trip over yourself on the teleprompter. All right, fine. You you, you mispronounce a word because you're nervous. Fine. I'm I'm not gonna roll you over the coals for that. A lot of people will. I look as somebody who talks on the radio and misspeaks a lot. I I kind of feel sympathy when people have a rough experience with public speaking. But to get the guy's name wrong. Like, that, that is the one thing you can't mess up. You're not a, a professional speaker. You're not a comedian. You're not an entertainer. You're not a host. You're a basketball player. People get that. Tripping over yourself on a teleprompter isn't that big of a deal. But saying the dude's name wrong, you're, you you were in Milwaukee. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Come on, man. And, and maybe, maybe we're not. Maybe I'm not being harsh enough on Kareem because Giannis gave a five, six-minute acceptance speech. Really, really well. A lot of emotion. Good storytelling. And he did it in his second language. You ever think about that? Giannis comes over here. He's got to learn an entirely new language. And he's not alone there. A lot of people have to do that. But it has to deal with the media. has to do all this stuff in his second language. And how many people still, as he wins an MVP, uh, after five, six, seven years of being over here, and people still can't say his name right? That blows me away. Like, I'm not going to judge you uh, for your, your successes or your failures doing public speaking, but getting a name wrong, that's uh, that's on another level completely. I thought Giannis's speech was awesome because it wasn't rehearsed. He didn't have a corny joke that really didn't hit that was obviously prepared, right? He just got up there and, 
and thanked a bunch of people. He had a great quote at the end, and I'll play that for you here in a minute or two. He he thanked uh, a, a lot of people, obviously. I, I picked three uh, parties or people that he thanked that I thought the most interesting. Obviously thanked God, thanked his family, thanked his brothers, thanked his mom, talked about his dad. I thought one that was really interesting was he thanked his Greek friends, his former his former coaches, former players over in Greece. This is what he had to say about them. I actually thought this was really cool because it wasn't something I expected him to touch on. I want to thank uh, my country, Greece and uh, Nigeria for always supporting me. You know, uh, back in Greece, when they watch the game, it's 5 a.m., 6 a.m., so they always stay up and watch the games uh, and uh, send me, you know, message, uh, support message in the definitely support me and the team and my family. That t that touched me a little bit because I imagine, okay, well, what if I became, and well, this is a big stretch, what if I became rich and famous to an extent or I got my dream job doing something in a different state, in a different country, and, and I'm finding myself and finding success as I go along, thinking about my friends back home, whether that's in Wisconsin or wherever my friends are at the time, and about them staying up late to be able to to watch me and to be a part of that, that's really cool. Not a tidbit, not a group of people I expected him to touch on. His former, his former, you know, teammates, his former coaches, everybody in Greece. That was, that was really cool. Someone also that I that I didn't really expect him to go on passionately about. He's crying through all of this. Is the Milwaukee front office as well? I want to thank, uh, thank the front office, the ownership for uh, you know believing in me. Uh, I want to thank the, the front office, the ownership, for believing in me. And I was 18 years old back in Greece. Um, you know, they allowed me uh, to lead this team and trust me. Pretty emotional talking about how executives thousands of miles away, right, across the ocean, across a lot of the continent, too, in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee, took a chance on an 18-year-old. At, at pick 15, it's not like they took him at three or four. A lot of teams passed up. Hell, Boston Celtics traded up to take Kelly Olynyk before Giannis. Right? There was a certain leap of faith there, and, and it's really cool to, to hear Giannis get emotional and, and incredibly thankful and passionate uh, talking about that. I thought the best part of the speech was talking about his dad, Charles, who passed away of a heart attack two years ago. And that's common knowledge. That's a that's a, a, a story that all Bucks fans are familiar with, but maybe not everybody else uh, in NBA fan circles. This is Giannis talking about his dad. I thought this was really powerful. Uh, I want to thank my dad. Uh, obviously, you know, my dad is not here with me, but... Uh, you know, uh, you know two, two years ago, in, um, you know, I had the goal in my head that I'm going, I'm going to be the best player in the league. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever it takes to help my team win, and I'm going to win the MVP. And uh, every, day, every day that I step on the floor, I always think about my dad, and that motivates me, and it pushes me to you know, play hard and move forward. Even though when my body's sore, even though when I, I don't feel like playing, I always going to show up, and I'm always going to do the right thing. Pretty cool to hear him talk about his dad, who obviously passed away. I thought this was the quote of the night. Uh, which is something that his his father taught him, something that his dad instilled in him as well. And this was the one part of the speech where, all right, thank everybody, whatever comes out, comes out. But when you're wrapping up, you got to say this. this. This is the great line right here. At the end of the day, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. Uh, my goal is to win a championship. Um, as my dad told me, you know, always want more, but never be greedy. Uh, my goal is to win a championship, and we're going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. Thank you, guys.
And of course, yeah, that was the conclusion of the speech. The one pre-rehearsed part, it sounded like, uh, was I want to hit on this quote, I want to mention this, and then I'll wrap up. And I thought it was really well done. I would rather have him stumble and cry his way through a speech like that than get up there with a note card and, and, and try to tell bad jokes and to just be something you're not. That's why we like sports awards is because they're not polished actors. They're not polished entertainers. They're getting up and they're basically talking off the cuff about the love of their sport, their family, their friends, that kind of stuff. I thought it was really cool. That's from the NBA awards uh, last night. Before we wrap up the show today, I think we'd be making a mistake if we didn't talk about the Brewers. The Brewers didn't play yesterday. But if you listen to the Bill Michaels show, which is on every day, 11 to 2 here on WKTY, or maybe follow his Facebook page or follow him on Twitter, there was a very interesting, very controversial, somehow, somehow this is controversial, uh, story surrounding the Brewers and a big unit Bill Michaels trip to Miller Park. I want to talk about that as we wrap up the show coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for hanging out, tuning in. We've talked a lot of bucks, and I feel like we would, uh, well, we'd waste a great Wisco Sports Show if we did not talk about the Brewers at least once. They were off yesterday. They start a series with the Mariners tonight, 635 pregame, 710 first pitch, right here uh, on WKTY. The biggest news with the Brewers the last couple of days has not been a player acquisition or a demotion to AAA or a movement to the bullpen, although we did talk about Jimmy Nelson moving to the bullpen. Uh, it has been something that Bill Michaels cooked up, all right? If you follow him on Twitter or on Facebook or if you listen to the show today from 11 to 2, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, he went to Miller Park on the 23rd, which was Sunday. Do I have that correct? Yeah, it would have been the 23rd. He took a video while sitting on one of the aisle seats on the first level. He looks like he's about, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 rows up. Uh, a good part, at least about half of the way up uh, in the first stack. And he, he, he snapped this video. It's three and a half minutes long, four minutes long. And the entire time, there's a stream of fans, of ushers just going by him. And yeah, it's pretty hard to see home plate. I'm not, yeah, I, I would be frustrated. I can't really see the game in this video. But it's the caption and it's the, 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 the just the blowing up of this story that makes me laugh. This is the caption of the video. Seriously, dot, 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 dot. I just wanted to enjoy the Milwaukee Brewers game as a fan today. Are baseball fans in Milwaukee completely bereft of etiquette? You can't be this inconsiderate or stupid. Or can you? Dun, 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 dun. Like, that's, that's professionally done. And I think Bill realizes that there is nothing going on right now. We're still a little bit away from the trade deadline. And Bill doesn't talk that much about the Bucks. He does a little bit. I'll give him credit. But he's like, man, we got nothing going on. How can I create some conversation? And if I'm being honest, I'm going to save this uh, for the All-Star break, which is in a couple of weeks. One second. Talk about fan etiquette at Brewers games. All right, I'm going to tuck that over there. We'll come back to this uh, in a couple of weeks. But but no, I, I do think this is a fascinating subject, not in the way that Bill proposed it. It kind of makes him, I don't know how it makes him sound. The wording of the caption probably comes a, a, off as a little highfalutin, uh, bereft of etiquette. Like, I, I don't know if that's the wording I would have used. But a lot of people saying, yeah, Bill, I'm with you. Or Bill, screw you. Go sit in the press box. You're rich and famous. You don't you don't know what happens in our seats. They just want to get a beer. You have to let, and they, this is just turned into a scrum. I don't care if you want to get a beer during the middle of the inning. It might frustrate me a little, but that's what you that's what happens when you're at the ballpark, right? I think we all try our very best. 
to limit our bathroom breaks, our food runs, our concession runs to in between innings. But sometimes it doesn't always shake out that way. And sometimes, yeah, it sucks. You're stuck in the middle of a row and you got to ask people to stand up. And I always feel awkward. Most of the time I'm met with nothing but smiles. Oh, it's fine. No, go ahead. Most of the time. Every once in a while you meet a crabby person. But I, I try. I think we all try. Right? I There is a certain give and take with watching sports at the ballpark, at the field, at the arena, or watching on TV at home. This is what interests me. I'm not interested in the Brewers fans have crappy etiquette and the, the Brewers ushers need to do something. At, at this ballpark, they do this. I Look, I don't care. If you don't like going to games at Miller Park, don't go. What interests me and what I, I might want to revisit later, like I said, during the All-Star break when just a whole hell of a lot of nothing's going on, there certainly are differences. There are certainly advantages and disadvantages to going to see a game at Miller Park and watching it at home. And I was talking to Dave Carney, who I never get to see. He's always up in the morning. I'm always here at night. Uh, about an hour ago, we were talking about this. I said, Dave, if the Packers were at the Super Bowl, they were in the Super Bowl playing there, I don't know if I had tickets presented to me if I would go. And maybe this is because I'm 21 and, and we get this thing called FOMO, fear of missing out, right? I would feel as though I would want to be at home. I would want to be listening to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, as funny as that sounds, and watching the pregame and the postgame. I want to be part of it all, right? I want to take in the commercials, and I want to take in the halftime show and and hear the analysis and, and watch the celebration and hear the interviews. You don't really get to see that on TV. And it's the same with the Brewers. If I wanted to watch the Brewers and say, okay, well, Corbin Burns is probably going to pitch today. Let's see what kind of stuff he's got. I, want, I really want to keep an eye on him. Or I, I want to watch... How does Christian Yelich position himself in the outfield? Like, if you actually want to get something from the game and watch it with an analytical eye, absolutely not. You don't want to go to the ballpark unless you can sit in the press box. Then it's a little bit easier, right? That's what the press box is for. There's a give and take. There's advantages to going, which is you get to be there. You get to be part of the crowd. You get to cheer. You get to boo. You get to stand up uh, for God bless America when the when the guy from the public relations comes down and does it every single night, every day of the year, right? You get to be a part of that. And watching it, Home, on TV, you don't get to be a part of that, but you also get to clearly understand what's going on, and you get to see the best replay angles, and you get to have things explained to you by announcers who are experts, right? And you get to be presented with statistics, and well, and if Craig Council argues with an umpire, what was that about? I, okay, well, BA and The Rock are going to talk about that. Those are things you lose out on when you're at the game. Now, I understand, and if you saw Bill's video, it's four minutes long, and, and there's people in front of him basically the entire time. It's a pain in the butt. He's an aisle seat. He's near the top. It doesn't surprise me. And Wisconsin sports fans, I've, I've talked about this. You go to a Badger game. I think you go to a Brewer game. Our priority, at least in, in regular season games, man, I got to have something to drink. I got to have something to eat because ultimately this is a party. Like we're here to cheer loud and, and, and passionately be a part of this for our team, but it's not like Ohio State. It's not like Michigan or Alabama in college football, right? We're, we're there to have a good time, and I think you, you probably need to, to understand that, to probably come to that realization, and then you can probably just enjoy yourself at a Brewer game, which is what it's for. On June 23rd, right against the Reds, on a Sunday game, there's probably a lot of kids there, there's families there. Take a deep breath. I think this topic is interesting. I think the video is fascinating that Bill posted, but to spark this into a huge controversy and get all bent out of shape, nah, we're not we're not doing that. I'm not giving the phone number out to the show and, and taking calls and talking about that for an entire four-hour show. I man, I drive myself crazy. But it is interesting, and it's probably a topic we'll come back to uh, when the Brewers aren't playing and when there isn't an NBA award show on and training camp's not going on for the Packers. It's interesting. Home versus being there. There's definitely pros and cons. 
something we'll have to come back to. Same time, same place tomorrow for the Wisco Sports Show. We'll talk about the Brewers, everything going on with the Bucks, and you never know, maybe Aaron Rodgers will say something crazy. Talk about it all tomorrow. Can't wait to talk to you then.